0: well it's exciting to be here with you did you have a good trip here good good traveling weather (laughs) and hopefully we're going to have good weather all through our time together right Amen. preparing it's something we do all the time and maybe we don't think about it in some aspects of our lives but think for a moment when i come up to to the meal table and i sit down what happens Husbands, since it's not usually us preparing, what happens if we sit down at that table and no preparation has taken place? What happens? Somebody's got to do something, right? Or we're going to go hungry. I mean, we take some of this preparation for granted, but without preparation, we don't have success. In anything. And so today we're going to be talking about preparation in the context of educating our young people. Whether you're homeschooling or you have your children in a private school or in public school, there is preparation needed today for what is going to take place tomorrow. You see, Without preparation, there can be no real success. It doesn't mean that God isn't still working and that God won't still bless us because doesn't He often give us what we don't deserve? Okay? Often He works with us in many ways when we don't deserve it, but we need preparation. Preparation is vital and it's shown all throughout God's Word. Think with me about Esther's preparation. There she found herself in a very difficult and even life-threatening situation she was going to go before the king did she need preparation she prayerfully prepared she actually asked the king for a banquet that was part of her preparation she set the stage under the inspiration of god to prepare the the, the time that they would spend together the king Haman and Esther. She prepared. And God blessed that preparation. Remember Solomon when he said that we must prepare in the summer if we're going to have something in the future. How many of you here do any preserving of food? Canning or freezing? Okay, quite a few of you. Why are you doing it? Well, for most of us, well, at least where we live, you can't have a garden to just go out and pick things out of all year round, right? And so there needs to be some preparation. If you want to enjoy those apples, maybe you make them into applesauce, right? So you can enjoy them, or those cucumbers made into some good homemade pickles or whatever it is, the cherries off the tree. But there's preparation if we're going to have the enjoyment of those fruits or those vegetables in the wintertime, we have to do some preparation in the summertime. Amos said some very important words, and I believe those words are part of the reason why we're here together. Amen. He said, Prepare to meet thy God. Does it take preparation to meet our God? Did it take preparation? before the Day of Atonement, to meet God. It takes preparation to meet our God. Matthew, in writing about preparing the way of the Lord. Who prepared the way of the Lord? John the Baptist. Did John the Baptist have preparation in order to be the man that God used to prepare the way for Christ? There was preparation And you know, I like to think that Jesus said he was going to prepare something for us. Do you remember what it was? I go to prepare a place for you. Isn't that nice to think about that? Even Jesus is going through preparations to receive his people. In the very last book of the Bible, it says that we need to be prepared as a bride. Prepared as a bride. Does the bride go through some preparation to get ready for that wedding day? I see the women saying yes. (laughs) There's some preparation. That special day, that event that should take place once in our lives, there's preparation. Prepared as a bride to meet her husband. So today we want to talk about that preparation in terms of our young people and what's ahead for them tomorrow.
1: We found it exciting when we went back and looked at the scripture to see how important preparation is. It's important for our physical life here on this earth, and it's certainly important for us to have our hearts ready to receive Jesus when he comes. And for our young people, those of us who have children, whether they're little or they're growing so quickly, God has a special work for us as parents to help prepare our young people, our heritage, for his kingdom. Prepare today for tomorrow. So we want to look at this afternoon four areas of preparation that we have found necessary and I'll say vital in that process of preparing our young people for their future, their future in this world and their future in the world to come, which is our most important future. The first area we're going to talk about, we're just going to highlight these four, and then we're going to talk in depth on each of these areas. The first area we want to talk about is the spiritual preparation that's necessary. And that's the most important, isn't it? That spiritual preparation, not just of our children, but that preparation that must take place in our hearts as parents. So I want to discuss spiritual preparation, the need for that, and how we gain that... Preparation. We want to look at the scholastic preparation necessary. Then we want to look at financial preparation. This is an area we've found that many families don't think about until their young people are right on the verge of finishing high school and they think, oh, what are we going to do? And you know, when our children go into further education, it costs money. And so we want to talk about the financial preparation and then the career and development aspect of preparing our children for their future. For what purpose? Why are we going through all of this work of preparation? Well, we see it outlined in Scripture, the, the ultimate purpose. But for this world, the purpose is that our young people can represent Jesus Christ. Amen. In whatever area, whatever path, that God has for them to live for him in this world. That they represent Christ, that their hearts are prepared to meet him. So that they represent Christ as being honest, persevering, diligent, dependable employees or employers so that they are kind and principled men and women. This is what the world is looking for. You can look at it in any occupation, and when these character traits are part of the character of our young people, no matter what occupation or profession they choose, they have an opportunity to represent Christ in that profession.
0: Well, let's talk about their spiritual preparation. Without the spiritual preparation, they aren't going to be prepared to represent Christ in their temporal lives. And they're not going to be prepared to meet Christ when he comes. Is spiritual preparation important? It's vitally important. And you know, one of the things that we have continued to learn in our experience is that if our young people are going to be spiritual, it sure helps a lot if their parents are striving in that same walk to be spiritual, okay? It's very difficult, and I'm sure many of us, if not all of us, have heard the saying, do as I say and not as I do, okay? And what that is is an excuse to not deal with my past. Okay, yeah, I've got a bad temper. Yeah, I've got bad habits. But don't do that. I don't like those anymore. I don't want to be bond slave to those anymore, but I am, so do as I say, don't pay attention to what I do. Is that very easy to do? What do you think, young people? Is that easy to do when mom and dad are setting a different example than what they're asking you to do? Is that easy? No, it's not easy at all, is it? So one of the things that we have found is very important is we need to be living this experience, gaining these same victories in our own lives. And then we need to be praying specifically. You know, one of the things I came to understand (laughs) over the years in working with many, many people and finding this out first in my own experience is that I was praying for all kinds of difficulties in my life. I was praying for all kinds of answers But when it came to some of the difficulties I faced with my own children, I wasn't praying specifically for those things. If you asked me if I prayed for my children, I'd say, yes, I pray for my children, and I hope you pray for your children. But God began to show me that I prayed specifically for other things, but I did not pray specifically for my children's needs. And so I began to pray specifically. And when I began to pray, and I say I began to pray, we began to pray, but in my own private prayers, I began to pray specifically about the weaknesses that I saw in my children. I began to recognize more intimately the weaknesses that I saw reflected in them were coming from me. And the more I prayed specifically for them, the more understanding I had as a father to know how to be a right Tool in the hands of God for my young people. Pray specifically. John 17, verse 15 says, Pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from evil. One of the preparations that we need to give our young people is how to live in this world today, in this generation, and not be a part of the worldliness. You know, many parents have given up that, and it's tragic, but many parents that we meet have given up the fight. Whether consciously or unconsciously, they've given up the fight. They say, well, that's just the way it is in my church. Everybody in my church is that way. All the young people watch these things. All the young people listen to these things. All the young people do it in our church. That is not our criteria, brothers and sisters. We can learn ourselves and teach our young people how to be in the world, but to be a light in the world, not to follow the ways of the world. And then we need to help our young people learn how to pray personally. And when our children were very young, we began to get down on our knees beside them and help them to pray for the little things You know that some of the things that look like little things to adults are big things for children when when you're a child, okay? They need to know how to pray for those things. They need to know how to deal with their foolishness because foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. I don't think you'll run across any child that doesn't struggle at some point in their experience with foolishness, okay? But they need to know how to pray personally to work with that and as they grow up, just recently, Josiah and I had some time together on a father-son outing. And as we were talking together, we had a few hours of time together in the vehicle. And as we were talking together, the strong conviction came to my heart that I needed to help my son know how to pray personally in this present situation. Now, he's known how to pray as he's grown up, and he knows how to pray. But as we were talking together, I realized that responsibility for me as a father hasn't changed. Amen. I need to nurture that and encourage that. He needs to see by precept, the word of God, and by example how to do that. And so we, we were just sharing together, and I was sharing with him some ideas on how he could pray personally at this time in his life. He's on the verge of going into his career in aviation and, I recognize that there are things that he's having to make decisions about now that he's never faced in his life. And so we talked about praying personally at this time in his life. Don't think, parents, that because you taught your children how to pray here, and that's very important because somebody needs to teach them how to pray, right? How are they going to learn otherwise? We teach them their ABCs, we teach them their phonics, we teach them their math. Who teaches them how to pray? We need to teach our children. But if we've taught them there, we need to keep listening, listening as they grow up and see if we don't need to help them in these areas as they grow older and they face new challenges in their experience. John 17, 19 says, For their sakes I sanctify who? Myself. Myself. Jesus is praying there in John 17. He says, For their sakes. I sanctify myself. In other words, Jesus is saying, Father, for their sake, for for my people, for my children, for my disciples, I have gone through the process of developing a character. I have allowed this sanctification process to be worked out in me. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself. I show them the way that they also might be sanctified. Parents, that puts that responsibility back in our laps again, that we need to show the way, not just say the way. It's easy to say the way, isn't it? It may be easy to have family worship, but show the way, not just say the way that they need to go.
1: Another aspect of spiritual preparation is to teach our children how to study the Word of God and to apply it. So all of the spiritual preparation that we're talking about we found in John chapter 17. And in verse 17 he says, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy Word is truth. So here Christ defines where we find the truth in the Word of God. And this is his model prayer for us This was his prayer for his disciples, his children, for us, and this should be our prayer for our young people. Teach them how to go to the Word of God and find the principles that are there to help them make the decisions that are necessary. One of the most basic uh, questions that, that Scripture asks, and Joshua was the one that recorded these words, choose you this day whom you will serve. As we help our children go to the Word of God and find these gems, these principles, then we take it in application into their daily life. Whether we're in a math lesson or we're teaching them uh, some household domestic skill or whatever we're doing in training and educating our children, we have to keep bringing them back to they are the ones to choose. They choose to do the will of God. They choose to serve God by doing that math lesson well. They choose to serve God by doing those domestic duties. So we take the word of God and we help them identify the principles that are in the word of God and show them in the day-to-day life how they begin to apply. By continuing, as we then are being sanctified by that same word... We bring them in their little encounters of the day back to the word of God so that it can be a witness to them, so that it can be a motivation to them, so that it can be an encouragement to them that they will choose what is right over what self's natural inclination is to do. Now, we could spend the rest of the time here today just talking about developing a personal study time with our young people. But that's already been done. And you can find that on the series, The Gospel Applied in Parenting. There's a one tape message in there. It runs about an hour long. And it gives many, many practical examples from a very young child who cannot read to an older youth as we help our young people develop that personal uh, relationship with God through the study of his word. So we aren't going to repeat that because it's been done. We want to encourage you that taking this time in the spiritual preparation means that we as parents go to the word of God and we are being taught of that word. And then we help our young people by our example and by our encouragement to do the same. And then in our home, we discuss what it is that we learn, and we share with one another. We learn from one another, and then we grow with one another.
0: You know, one of the greatest tragedies that we see in families today is losing contact with our young people's spiritual condition. We see it everywhere we go in the world. It's a tragedy when you see young people who are like magnets to other young people. Why are they like magnets to those other young people? Is that wrong? Well, it can be wrong or it can be positive, but the reason many young people are magnetized to other young people and often those young people are not the best associates for those young people, often it's because they have no time with their parents. Their parents have lost touch with them. In the busyness of life, their parents have lost contact with their real spiritual condition. And sadly, many times, the reason parents lose contact with their spiritual condition in their children is because parents have often lost contact with their real connection with God. It's that simple. And that's, that's tragic. Because then life goes on many times through the motions of professed Christianity but it denies the power of godliness in the home life. And the children begin to separate. I praise God that he has helped me as a father recognize how important it is to ask this simple question to my children. And if you were to pull my children aside privately and ask them how many times I ask them this question, it's a very simple question. How are things going with you? And their usual answer is fine. <laughs> and that's good. Now, how's it really going? How is it with your heart? See how quiet it got just now? That's because that's an important question. And it's a question that I ask to my young people many times. And I look for the opportunities to ask the question when there'll be time to hear the answer. It takes time, friends. Mm-hmm. But one thing I will not regret as a father, even if my children all go astray at some point in their lives, I will not regret the time I have taken to ask those kind of questions and the time to listen to the heart answers. We need to take time to stay in touch with the real life of our children, the real spiritual condition. It's too easy for a son or a daughter to just say, oh, I'm doing fine. And then how many times I talked to parents, grieving parents, who said, I had no idea. I didn't know they were struggling with this. I didn't know they were learning this from their associate. I didn't know this was happening to them at church in the young people's group. I didn't know that's what they were doing when they were looking at the computer. You didn't know because you didn't take time to ask those questions and take time to hear those heart answers. And sometimes hard answers. Lest you think that we don't have to work through difficult things in our family We have many bumps in the road, okay? Our children didn't come out of the womb any better than we did, okay? Or you did. But I can tell you there's power in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's a living power. And it's a life-changing power. And it works if we will take time to stay in contact with the spiritual condition of our young people. You know what it does to me? Sometimes it forces me. Forces? Does God force? No, but I can put some force on myself when the Spirit convicts me. It forces me to get up and spend time with my God in the morning. Do you know why? Because I need to face my children with the right example. Now, after I spend that time, do I feel forced? <laughs> no, I don't. But sometimes my carnal nature doesn't like it any better than anybody else's. But it takes time with God to be sensitive to our children. And the last verse there that we looked at, in John 17, verse 18, Jesus was sent into the world. You know what kind of world his father sent him into? Do you know what kind of world his father... We live in it. It's a terrible world, isn't it? Amsterdam's a terrible place. San Francisco's a terrible place. These are places I've been and seen what happens. New Orleans, in the streets, things that happen. It's a terrible place. God sent his son there to redeem this sinful world. And we're on the verge of sending our son off to Phoenix, Arizona. Arizona. Not as bad as San Francisco. But do you think we have some fear and trepidation? He sent his son into this world, but his son did not become like this world. His son offered the transforming power to change the people of this world. And I pray that my son will go to his school of aeronautics with a heart commitment to live for Christ in the midst of his training in the world but not of the world
1: I want to add one more thing to that spiritual preparation it's when we take time with God that he gives us spiritual insight into things in our children that we would not see if we had no time with him amen There have been so many times that the Lord, through my study, in my prayer time, he's brought things across my mind. It was just like a light turning on in my head that helped me to reach into the heart of my child for something I never knew was a problem. So I want to encourage us as parents. It's not enough to get them ready. We must take time to be spiritually prepared for the challenges of today in preparation for the future that we face as our young people continue to grow. Because we're going to need spiritual insight as they grow older and older and they're getting more influence and more um, experience in life to direct their feet in the holiness of Jesus Christ, mm. that narrow, steep path. Amen. Let's talk about the scholastic preparation I was just talking with a mother recently, and she was in the dilemma. Do I homeschool or don't I? She wants to, but she's, like many of us, or shall I say all of us, anxious, uh, not confident. You know, well, what do I do about this? I don't know how to teach this. Should I take him over here to learn this and take him over here to learn that? And I said, you know, this is a thought the Lord just gave me that day. We don't need to be the best to teach our children the basics. Amen. Did you hear that? I don't have to be the best teacher to teach my children the basics. I must teach my children the basics and teach them how to do their best.
0: Amen. Do
1: you understand the difference? We don't have to be educated scholars in order to teach our children algebra or phonics or cooking or maintenance on home equipment or whatever. We have to have a willingness to learn and use what God has given us and desire to help our children grasp the basics so th- and then most importantly to teach them how to do their best at whatever they do. Therefore, God does with them what we may not have to know how to do efficiently ourselves. Colossians 3 and verse 17, and whatsoever you do in word or in deed do all in the name of the Lord Jesus and really that should be our motto it's not that I have to be an excellent teacher in every area and I have to be a master at every area of education I have to be willing to be used of God to help my young people gain this as part of the foundation of their education in whatever they do in word or deed do all in the name of Jesus Christ that means that they represent Christ in what they do. So let's build that strong foundation. And again, we've talked about this. In fact, last year at this same time here, we did the first part of a homeschool seminar, the powerful potentials of homeschool. And that is on a little album back there, CD and cassette album. And we talked about building a strong foundation and the importance of that And we want to emphasize that importance again, building that foundation, because in the foundation, we help our children know how to pick up those tools of the scholastic learning, that scholastic education, and we teach them how to use the tools effectively. Then God, working with that child to do their best, and they have the tools and they have the skills, then they take those tools and they can build anything that right. God directs them. So build that strong foundation. It's very important to preparing them for tomorrow. If you just try to say, oh, they don't really don't like that that much, we'll just kind of skip over that, or this is really hard. I've been over this five times. I'm not, I don't have the patience to do it again. I'm, I'm not going to be able to be patient with my child. Forget it. We'll just move on let's not move on because we don't have it. Let's get it with the Lord and gain that victory in our own selves that we can be patient to go over it one more time Amen. until they grasp the, the principle of the lesson being taught, they understand it, and the foundation is strong so that they have the tools to work for their future education.
0: Part of the preparation that's so vital for our young people It's teaching them how to learn. That's pretty basic, isn't it? If we will teach them how to learn, they can learn anything they need to learn. Okay? It's incredible. When we were over in Australia, I think we were in New Zealand, I called home just to check in and see how everything was going. Josiah had just recently finished building... Grandma and Grandpa's house with, with another man in our church who was a, a builder. It was a wonderful experience. But as I called in just to see how everything was going, Josiah just very briefly told me that Grandpa's furnace had blown up. <laughs> new furnace, <laughs> blown up.
1: This is January in Montana.
0: <laughs> and he said, but it's okay, Father. He said, uh, I, I called. I found out what was wrong. I called the serviceman. I ordered a new furnace. We got it installed. Everything's fine. I said, praise the Lord. Thank you, son. I never taught him a thing about furnaces or any of that stuff. But if we teach them how to learn and how to persevere and how to apply their mind to a challenge, they don't have to be intimidated by it. He was less intimidated when I got home and heard the whole story. He was less intimidated by that than I would have been because he actually has learned better how to learn to challenge problems than I learned as a boy. My parents loved me, but sometimes they loved me too indulgently. Do you understand what I mean by that? Poor little thing. I mean, my dad had to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning, every morning, since he was, he said since he was 4 years old, it was his responsibility to milk the cows. Poor little thing, when I was old enough to start getting up on the farm, Poor little thing, let him sleep in. Don't have to have a rough life like dad had. (laughs) Isn't that how our parents are? I mean, they mean to be loving to us, but I didn't learn a lot of the hard lessons my dad learned, and I've had to learn the hard way in many cases. And I'm still learning some of them, believe me. But if we'll teach our children how to learn, they can address hard things in life, even where we may not have addressed them at their age. And maybe we're still... Not addressing them as well. Teach them to learn. Don't just give them the expectation, you've got to get through the lesson, son, or you've got to get through your lessons, daughters. Because some young people only have the mentality, I've got to get the book done. I've got to get the lesson done. I can't go out and play until I get this lesson done. No. If that's all we're giving our children, we're not teaching them how to learn. We need to teach them how to invest themselves in that lesson so that they are gleaning from that what God would design for them to learn in that lesson and take those principles and be able to apply them. Because if all they do is finish the book, if all they do is get through the lesson, then I tell you what's going to happen when they face difficulties, in their employment, what are they going to do? Look at the, they'll look at the punch clock if they're working where they punch a clock and they'll say, oh, if I can just get this last four hours of the day, I'll punch that clock and I'll be out of here, right? That's not the mentality we want to teach our young people. If they're having a problem, then they need to know how to address that problem so that they get through the day not just waiting to punch the clock. So that they get through that school lesson not just trying to get the last answer, but recognizing if they learn well, the principles, getting through the lesson will be the fruit of it all. And the blessing will come as they bear fruit in other areas of their life. Teach them to learn, not to comply
1: one of the things that i saw in my own experience as a homeschooling mother is that when i took time to really understand the lesson and to be invested and interested in them doing the lesson they were learning but when i was busy and i just and i knew they could do it but you know here's your work get it done and i wasn't excited about because you know what i found i learned so much I mean, I've been all the way through school and have a four-year degree in college, but I was learning in first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, all the things i never learned before, and the days that I was invested in learning with them, they learned more. The days I just let them do it just to get it done, they did it to get it done, and they didn't learn as much. So stay in tune with your children, not that you can't give them a lesson to do it, but Find something in that lesson that you can learn. Find something in there that you can gain. Ask them a question about Take an interest in that. That's some key. Take an interest in those lessons with them. That motivates them to learn more than just get the lesson done. So build that strong foundation. Teach your children how to learn. And after that's done, give them a good overview of all the subject areas. Now, in our home, we spent the first years building that strong foundation, and we kept our education simple on the basics. Math, English, spelling, phonics, when phonics was necessary, reading. And then we added some sciences, and we added some histories. And those at the beginning weren't as as part of the core course, but as they grew older, that was necessary for them. Give them a well-rounded, a broad understanding, overview of the various subject areas. Why? Because this helps them to look at life in a 360-degree picture instead of in a 90-degree. You understand? Give them a broad understanding, in the subject areas, not just in the books, the head knowledge, but the practical skills as well. We're told by the wise man in Proverbs 13, 16, that every prudent man dealeth with knowledge. Every prudent man dealeth with knowledge. We use the knowledge to help us to make decisions. If we want our young people to have direction for their future and we've given them no exposure in the practical skills and what's available to do and in the broad ranges of the sciences and the other areas of education that we haven't spent as much time, at least in the early years, with, then we, they don't have the vision of what there is to do Amen. in life and their focus narrows down. And they may have talents, natural talents and abilities, a natural love, an aptitude for something that they've never really been exposed to. And they would never proceed or pursue that because they've never had exposure to it. So we found the blessing of giving that, that rounded knowledge in math, English, and science, history, gardening, Home economics, now I cannot sew, I'm a mender, I put buttons back on. But we found someone who knew how to sew that could give my girls some basics in sewing. How to put a dress together, how to make um, different things that I thought were quite complicated, but there was someone there that she could help me and I could help her. We actually exchanged teaching. Our young people were in their teens. I taught anatomy and physiology to her children. She taught my girls sewing. It was a good trade. Half the year they did sewing, the other half of the year we did anatomy and physiology.
0: How did Josiah get out of that?
1: <laughs> he got out of the sewing, but he didn't get out of anatomy and physiology. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, he can put buttons on. Actually, he could probably sew every bit as good as I could.
0: <laughs> he got into the building course. Yes. Teach your children how to be resourceful. How do we teach our children to be resourceful? What if we're not resourceful ourselves? (laughs) I mean, we're not going to have every talent we want our children to have, right? But we can can help them go beyond what we've had. So one of the ways we help them be resourceful is not giving them the answers ourselves, right? This is one of the blessings I saw in, in my wife working with the children in homeschooling. They would ask her questions, the same kind of questions I used to ask my teacher. And I was amazed at the wisdom she had and how she answered those questions. That's because I used to ask my teacher the same questions.
1: And I knew I didn't learn by them just giving me the answer. It just got on the answer on the paper, but it was not in my head.
0: So that's how we can help them be resourceful, help them, stretch them to look for the answers. And as we do that, the thrilling thing to a parent is to see their children go beyond them. Mm-hmm. Okay? It's, it's a thrill to my heart to watch my son and daughters go beyond my understanding, beyond our teaching, beyond the things we can do practically ourselves because they've become resourceful. Independent. Independent. That word, independent, does not mean that they just go their own way. It means that they learn how to stand alone. When the, you know, the furnace blows up, they can independently work through that. They don't fall apart in that situation. When they're in the church and three of the youth around them begin to talk about things that aren't appropriate, they don't have to shun those youth, but independence helps them to be able to stand and redirect the conversation in that situation. And if they don't feel comfortable redirecting it, they can absent themselves. To be self-directed, they need to learn these things. If we haven't learned them, we can facilitate the learning while we learn with them. So
1: we we find or we look for the balance between uh, a lot of interaction with them, especially as they're growing older, and helping them gain this independence, this self-direction, this resourcefulness. One of the things that I found very helpful in our homeschooling program, especially as they got in the older years, is I wasn't necessarily always looking for a book that had it pre-done. This is another book to give my young people. I looked at the areas that I felt God wanted me to instruct my children in. And I developed a health and nutrition class for them that that challenged my young people in independent study. They had coursework to do. And it helped them to be self-directed and to be resourceful. We did the same thing when we taught anatomy and physiology. Rather than going out and going through all of the books, oh, here's a good book on anatomy, and here's a good book on physiology, here's the lesson they read, and here's the questions they answer, I recognize that my young people, should they go on to higher education, aren't always going to have their learning done that way. When you go to college, it's almost always a lecture that you hear, and you need to know how to take notes and learn from what somebody's saying. Then go back on your own to that book, do that independent study, and come to class the next period or the next day or whenever it is, and be ready to be tested on the material. So the Lord impressed this upon my heart because I went through uh, school with more of the, here's the lesson and here's the questions and you fill out your paper and you turn your assignment in all the way through high school. And I had quite a shock when I got to college and found out there's a whole new way of teaching out there I knew nothing about. Fortunately for me, I'm a learner who learns better by what I hear and see than by what I read, because I didn't have strong reading comprehension. But even with that, it was still very challenging to me. And the volume of of material we were given to uh, be responsible for within a day's time. And so in our homeschooling, I chose to teach anatomy and physiology. I got some good resource books, but they weren't just a lesson with questions. And I would study, and we took it by systems. That made so much sense to me. When I was in college, we took anatomy in one semester and physiology in another, and I thought it was disjointed. To me, it made more sense to put it together. So when you learn about the anatomy of the heart, then you learn about the physiology of the heart, and it all makes sense together. And so that's the way I taught. We did it systematically. We did the cardiovascular system, we did the pulmonary system, we did the renal system, we did the Every system in the body, skeleton system, skeletal system. And I would do an hour to an hour and a half lecture with the young people sitting around the table, picking the highlights. Then I gave them the assignment. They had to go and research it out. They had to be resourceful. And part of their assignment was that for every system studied, they had to find a Bible verse that talked about that system or a part of that system. There's many verses on the heart. There's verses about kidneys in the Bible. Did you know that? There's verses about the bones. There's verses about the skin. There's verses about every system in the Bible. I was fascinated. I never knew that. There's verses on at least one verse on every system of our body. The eye, the ear, the tongue, the hands. Of course, that's not a system, but it's a part of the body. And then we went, and their challenge was they had to find spirit of prophecy references on that. And we, we look for the spiritual application, what we learn spiritually through those systems as described in the Bible and the spirit of prophecy, and also the physiological response. Uh, that we found from the books and also through the Spirit of Prophecy. So that was part of their study. And we come back to class, and the first thing they knew they were going to get was a test on the last lecture. And for their final test, they had to be prepared. I didn't write out a, a final test. They had to be prepared to draw a slip of paper that would name a system in the body, and they had to write two pages of everything they learned about that system. So that meant, they couldn't, tough that meant they couldn't just know all about the cardiovascular system. They had to know every system enough to write everything they learned because I was not so much interested in right or wrong answers. I wanted to see what they learned, and that was encouraging to me. So it taught them to be resourceful, to be self-directed, and independent in their study. And I saw that it it was a tremendous help, I know, Mm -hmm. to Allison when she went away to school for massage therapy. She would have long hours every day of lecture, lots of material to cover every day. And she was very appreciative that she had a taste of that in her home before she got there. So we want to encourage that. We also found that uh, in another friend's experience, when they went into a, a nursing course, a CNA, a pre-nursing course that they had to take in order to be eligible for nursing, that when they got into the to the class where the teacher is going to give the lecture, the teacher got off on all these other things and the stories. You know how sometimes nurses they tell all their old stories, <laughs> and then they go to class the next day and they have a test, and wow, they weren't prepared. But because she learned to be resourceful, you can't just take what you hear in class. You have to take the book and you have to study alone, on your own, self-directed, self-governed, to get that information so that you understand it and you learn it, whether or not your teacher tells you about it in class or not, because that happens too in real life and when we teach our children that we don't necessarily say everything in the lecture that they're going to be responsible to know it's very important
0: this being self-directed self-motivated resourceful independent whatever you want to call it they all work together it's been one of the blessings that we've seen even in our own children Emily for example on languages she wanted to speak Spanish And I'll have to admit to you that when she first took the interest in speaking Spanish, because I didn't know anything about Spanish, I thought, you know, she'll probably get tired of this in a few weeks. (laughs) Probably just putting my own feelings on it, that I'd get tired of this. The new would wear off of it. But, you know, she got books. She got resources that she found herself. She paid for them herself. And she said, I want to learn Spanish. And today... According to what people tell me, she's very fluent in Spanish. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> I mean, it, sounds, it sounds like Spanish to me, <laughs> you know? But she can speak Spanish to anybody, anywhere, because she was resourceful. I just want to encourage you parents and young people that you don't have to go to someplace that teaches Spanish to learn Spanish language. Emily was self-taught on the violin. She never went to, she's never had a professional violin paid lesson in her life. Now she's had a few from our friend here. (laughs) Very thankful for that. But you can do these things without having to go through a formal education. You can do it. You can learn how to play the piano beautifully without going to lessons for 14 years or 12 years or whatever. I'm not against those things. But I'm trying to say, we need to help our young people go after their dreams. Mm -hmm. And the only way they're going to dream is to give them a broad understanding of what's out there that they can go after, so that they're not narrowed down, that they just have to do one thing, and their their vision is very narrow. Thank you. (laughs) My wife's having to help me out here. (laughs) Well, let's talk about financial preparation. How's that for a shift of (laughs) years? You think that's important? Oh, how many families we talk to and work with who are in all kinds of financial crises. People who have no money and are in a financial crisis and people who have lots of money. Is that possible? Can you have lots of money and be in a financial crisis? Oh, yes. I can tell you that that happens at both ends of the spectrum. And it's because many of us haven't been prepared for tomorrow, for finances today. We need to help our young people. 1 Timothy 5.8 says, But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those in his own house, he has denied the faith. Can you imagine that? You mean we can know everything there is to know and we can give Bible studies and we can give Daniel Revelation meetings and we can do all these things and we can still be denying the faith? Why? It says here that if he does not provide for his own, those in his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. You know, we need to begin now helping our young people deal with the future and how they handle their finances. And the younger the better, okay? (laughs) When Josiah was very young, he doesn't mind me sharing this, (laughs) do you, Josiah? Now we tell each other stories with permission, okay? We have a thing in our home that we learned a long time ago and that's my story, okay? My story. Josiah does not tell my story unless he has my permission. Because he doesn't need to needlessly embarrass me about me going over the handlebars on my bike out. <laughs> I can tell you that I went over the handlebars, but he doesn't need to. And I won't tell you about his bad stories unless he gives me permission. But when he was little, oh, can I have that? He'd see something in the store and, you know, a little bit of money. Can I get can I get that? <laughs> And we'd have a little talk right there. Now, you know, you've only got this much money, you might want to save it for something you really want. Oh, but I really like that. I want that. You know, five years old. No, I think you'll be happier if you'll save that money and you get something nicer. Okay. Five minutes later, he's down another aisle. I want that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's even better. Well, I thank the Lord today that he has learned to be a saver for the things that really count. And as a result, he has, and I, I didn't ask permission, so I won't share this, but as a result, he has saved thousands of dollars. I won't tell you how many thousands, because I didn't ask. I was going to ask you if I could tell that, but I... Forgot, (laughs) But he saved thousands of dollars. And I commend him, we commend him because he could have spent them all along the way on little things that just go away. Not to say that he hasn't bought things. I mean, he has a nice bicycle. But those were decisions that he weighed more carefully than I want that! You know? If we don't deal with that when they're five years old, I know men that are 55 years old that are still doing the same thing. I want that! What do they do? They get it. They get it with a piece of plastic because they don't have the they don't have the education. They don't have the self discipline. So they can get it. I can get it now because I've got ten pieces of plastic and one of them's not maxed out, right? <laughs> That's not funny, is it? Really, when you think about it, it causes a lot of heartache in homes. So let's help them at five. Or if you didn't catch it at 5, 10, or 15, we need to help them prepare to be able to handle their finances. And then I'd like to encourage parents that one of the things that we began to do was to create a little educational savings account. Okay. We're so thankful that we did that. We just tucked a little bit of money aside for the day that they might need Further education a little education savings account just part of our savings program and it has proved to be a great blessing over the years so if you haven't started doing that consider doing it because if you're really looking for preparation today for tomorrow don't wait until your children are 16 or 17 and they're saying you know I really I really want to be a nurse or really want to be a whatever don't wait till then to start saving because if you haven't learned to save as parents there's a good possibility your children haven't learned to save and where are you going to come up with the money for continuing their education when
1: our children were little we did not give them allowances the money that they had our josiah had in his pocket didn't come from mother and father now, they did on occasion get a letter from Grandma once in a while in the mail, and she had this habit of always putting a dollar in for the children. And that's what was the temptation. Because if there was a new dollar, then there was something new to have, right? But we encouraged, besides what goes to the Lord first, all of our increase, everything we receive is a gift of God. And it's His to manage so in thankfulness and appreciation, we teach our children to give to God first, what is rightfully God's, and then give a joyous offering on top of that. Hmm. But the rest, not that they were always denied, but many times denied because that's an impulsive, an impulsive self, spur of the moment, and always encourage them to save those little dollars and then get something that was useful and practical and of at least a quality that wouldn't (laughs) self-destruct after the first time you used it like some of these real cheap things but we did not give our children allowances that sets an expectation that in the home they're paid to wash the dishes sweep the floor make the beds and that's part of real living I don't get paid to do that no mother here gets paid to do that dad doesn't get paid to keep the car maintenance up or mow the lawn That's part of being in a family, in a household, and Uh learning real life. We need to teach our children those real-life experiences. Give them the opportunities to learn. That's preparing for their success in the future, should they have a home of their own. They know how to maintain it. They know how to keep it orderly. And they save lots of money by not having everybody else come in and do everything for them they never learned how to do. So we didn't give our children allowances, but rather we taught them how to be helpful in the home and to bear the burdens in the home and how to do it in an excellent spirit. And that takes the Lord working in our hearts to do that. But we did encourage our children from when they were young to look for ways that they could earn money outside of the normal setting of the home. I can remember when they picked rose hips off the wild rose bushes and dried them. You know, they're very high in vitamin C. And the health food shop loves, they they sell the rose hips because people like to put them in teas. So they would collect them and haul them off to the health food shop. Of course, who would take them into the health food shop? I would as their mother. So little things they could do to sell, making crafts and selling those crafts, selling greeting cards. I can remember they had to go to the different people in business wasn't me going up to our printer. I'll never forget the day, the first time my children walked in, and they wanted to sell him something. And he was so impressed because usually when the Girl Scouts came to sell their cookies, it was mother saying, would you like to buy some Girl Scout cookies for my daughter or from my daughter? And he would say, now who's selling the cookies? So I would always be there to encourage them, but I did not speak for them they had to learn to go to the printer, Mr. Trippett, and say, would you like to buy some of this? I'm selling this. I'm earning money. What were they earning money for? Well, they were earning money for bicycles. That was the first thing. They earned their money 50% to buy their own Spirit of Prophecy set. They earned their money for different kind of books. And as they upgraded the bicycles, they purchased those, not mother and father. They take good care of their bicycles. They appreciate that inspired words. It's a treasure for them. So we gave them opportunities to earn money, greeting cards, extra produce from the garden, selling that to neighbors, the extra raspberries off the bushes or the garlic or whatever we had too much of, even going down to the store in Eureka, Montana, asking if they'd like to buy a box of cucumbers. And you know what? They would buy it because the children were selling it. And it's incredible what people will do when they see their children are motivated and they have a purpose. Many times they're saying, I'm just saving my money. Selling Tupperware. I remember when Allison sold Tupperware. That was for a specific purpose to earn money to go for further education. And it was very good. Just what she needed in her personality to go outside of the comfortable zone and meeting strangers and doing that.
0: As they were growing up, Josiah had a lawn maintenance business. Emily got a call because she had learned a marketable skill, calligraphy. How many of you here have ever done any calligraphy? Okay, a few. She had learned calligraphy, and as a result, that same printer who had bought things from the children as they were growing up, had somebody come in to his print shop who was doing specialized wedding invitations and ask if he knew anybody that could hire out to do calligraphy who do you think he thought of? Emily because she had come before our children had come before and he knew what she could do with calligraphy because she had gone to him and made herself available see that's resourcefulness so she She made some good money doing all hand calligraphy invitations to a wedding. And she made a lot of money for a young girl. She
1: wrote the addresses on the envelopes. She didn't didn't write the
0: invitation. Sorry. Get the details right. Well, that was really nice. But she made a lot of money doing the addresses on the envelopes. A cookbook. You've seen the cookbook. Some of you have. Purchase the cookbook, done in calligraphy, hand done, not done on a computer, all hand calligraphy by Allison and Emily. Each of them have a little different style. When I was doing real estate, sometimes people who were wanting to invest in a property would get a property that was maybe trashed out and needed a lot of work. And so they knew because I told the owner of our company if you ever have anybody that needs work done on the property our family would be happy to help so we go out as a family on a Sunday and we would clear we would cut trees down cut brush clean up things clear the land burn rubbish all that kind of stuff and everybody would get paid there'd be a contract and we always donated all of our money that was our part of the contract to the children and so there's ways that we can help our young people we know young people that have a bread baking enterprise and they make good money and they do real well others that have a sewing business uh, allison became a cna uh, as she was trying to earn money she was interested in health care she became a cna and earned some money that way emily began learning secretarial skills and as the secretary of our Our ministry now so there are lots of things Josiah he wanted to learn building and so we had an Adventist builder in our area that hired him on you know sometimes the building trades are rough places to be but he was an Adventist builder had high moral standards and you know didn't have the bad music and so Josiah learned the building trades which was a blessing so if if you're not going to follow the world's tradition in paying an allowance, which is basically teaching your children that you you get paid for doing regular duties. If you don't wanna follow that course, which we didn't wanna follow that course, you need to look for replacement because you want your children to learn how to earn money, learn how to become dependable, learn how to do little business transactions. And if you prayerfully consider those things and look at the avenues, God will open them up to you.
1: The last area we wanna talk about in preparing today for tomorrow is in the career and development that our young people will pursue. What are your child's interests? That's where we start. What are your interests? What excites them? And have you started to explore those interests with them? When our children were very little, we asked them what they would like to do as they grew up. And it's interesting. The girls had all different ideas, and as they got older, their interests changed until they found the niche that they were interested in. At the beginning, one of them wanted to have a restaurant, and the other one wanted to run a daycare because that's where their world was. But neither one are doing what they thought at a young age they wanted to do, but they are both doing today what they want to do as as their knowledge expanded. Josiah, on the other hand, since he was a little boy, wanted to be an airplane pilot. And we have, through the years, continued to ask and explore the interests, and he never lost his desire for that. And at first, I have to say, I wasn't very impressed with it. In fact, for years we tried to discourage it. We would ask him different questions, and we would try to redirect his thinking, and and come up, you know, and, and seem like what we were hearing, it didn't seem like a very viable occupation for a Christian, the way we understand the Word of God and Christianity. But you know, as we didn't say no, and as we kept an open mind because of its interest, we began to see that there are areas in aviation that God can honor as Christians to be a part of. Amen that you don't have to violate the, the commandments of God. So give them exposure to the professions that they want. When I was in nursing school, one of my classmates, she was a brilliant young woman, wanted to be a nurse. Going through nursing class with me, she was the girl who got A's on everything. It seemed like studying was so easy for her. But when we got out of school, she took her board. She did beautifully on her boards, state boards. She got into the real world of nursing. She didn't like it. She spent years of time and thousands of dollars her parents paid to send her to a Christian college private school to be educated, and she walked away from it because she had never had any exposure to the real life of nursing. So look for opportunities to give your young people exposure. And let us take our minds from a narrow focus as Christians that we kind of have a tendency to want to steer into the medical professions, a doctor or a nurse. That's you know, something that God can bless. And he can, those professions. Or a minister, a teacher, a Bible worker. Those are important. But do you know that God needs his representatives in all walks of life? There'll be people who will never come to a church. To hear a minister. They'll never have that contact Maybe to not. be influenced by that minister or by that faithful doctor or nurse who's, who's walking with the Lord because they don't have an illness that's going to put them before that person to hear about Jesus Christ. Maybe they're going to be sitting in a cockpit on an airplane and they need to hear about Jesus Christ. Maybe they're going to be uh, coming to your farm stand And they're going to learn about Jesus Christ there. God needs people in all walks of life.
0: We just want to share with you a few of the kinds of careers we've come across personally over the years, some of which you may not have thought of. We know a family, the husband is involved in his own carpet and flooring business. He is very successful because he works in accordance with God's principles. But not only is he successful in the flooring business, he's a successful outreach minister for the Lord. Amen. He has reached so many people in his community because of the kinds of ethics he has in his work. The kind of work he does is top-notch. And he has reached into homes that will never be reached, as Elaine said, by a minister. They don't go to church, but he's in their home laying their tile, laying their carpet, talking to them about a life-changing gospel. A veterinarian, a logger, a draftsman, an engineer, a real estate agent, a translator or interpreter.
1: Massage therapist, a house cleaning business, a business that works with special needs children, a secretary, a backhoe operator, a physical therapist,
0: a lawn and home maintenance business, farming, a drywall contractor, computer science, an attorney, a salesperson, a bank teller, an accountant,
1: a carpenter, an artist, a musician, an organic gardener.
0: You know, we could probably spend time talking of a lot of other ideas, but the point is this. Give the opportunity to your young people to expand their horizons, okay? Let them tap into something that's meaningful where their talents may lie and they may lie dormant there. And don't be afraid, you know, One of the difficulties that many people face in trying to look at the direction of their young people in this degenerate age that we live in, and it's a real battle that we have faced and we know others are facing it and have faced it in the past, and that is, what do we do for higher education? Should we send them away for higher education? What shall we do? Is it appropriate to send them to college? I mean, if you could know the kinds of conversations we have with so many different people. We recognize that these are sensitive questions to honest-hearted people because many, many young people are lost in a college or university setting. Did you know that? Many young people that have been raised up in relatively secure homes are lost in a, in a university setting. But I, just, I want to read something to you that I thought was very encouraging. It's taken from the book Great Controversy, beginning on page 69 and 70. While the Waldensians regarded the fear of the Lord as the beginning of wisdom, they were not blind to the importance of a contact with the world, a knowledge of men and of active life, in expanding the mind and quickening the perceptions. From their schools in the mountains, some of their youth were sent to institutions of learning in the cities of Italy and France. Where was a more extended field of study and thought and observations than they had in their native Alps. The youth thus sent forth were exposed to temptation. They witnessed vice. They encountered Satan's wily agents who urged upon them the most subtle heresies, the most dangerous deceptions, but their education from childhood. This is the preparation we're talking about. Their preparations, their educations from childhood had been of a character to prepare them for all of this. And then on, over onto page 71, it talks that they often went out two by two. And you know, this is a great blessing, and it's one of the, the blessings the Lord has provided for us in the plans that we have for our son, to be able to go two by two with another young man who we've kind of grown up with their family who will be joining him in the School of Aeronautics. There's camaraderie in that. There's accountability in that. There is an uplifting and encouraging influence where there's a like-mindedness for that kind of exposure to the difficulties of life. So, don't be closed-minded. We're not encouraging anyone here in any particular direction, but. God knows what's ahead Mm -hmm. for our young people. And we need preparation for these last days. Are we willing to make the commitment for that preparation? You know, one of the things that we considered when we looked at Allison's continuing education away from the home and also as we looked at Josiah's experience in leaving the home for his education... We looked for programs that would take them away from the home for the least amount of time. In Allison's case, it was five months for a one to two year program. Five condensed months in a very intense program. Was it worth it? Yes. Two reasons, it kept the mind occupied. She studied most of the time and was in class the rest of the time. (laughs) Very much mind directed, five short months of intense preparation And she received the same certification she would have received from the one and two year programs because of the school that she went to. The least negative influences to be met and the least amount of financial outlay. The program that we have settled on for Josiah, again, is a very intense program. 50 hours a week. That's an intense program. But It's only for one year and it keeps the mind focused. It keeps him engaged in this other young man that will be there with him. It keeps their minds focused on the work that they're to be about and keeps them from having lots of free time to do other things. So we looked at these elements. The least amount of time, the least amount of negative influences, and the least amount of financial outlay in coming to the decision. We went to these schools, we talked with the faculty, we talked with students who had been through the program, students in the program. We looked at the environment, we sat in the environment, we spent time quietly observing the environment. We looked for these things to prepare the way to help our young people be steered in the right direction. There's a balance between teaching them to be resourceful and independent and also working with them that we know where they're headed. In closing, I'd just like to encourage each one of us that if we're going to be successful, we come completely back around to the very beginning. Our only true success will will come from the spiritual preparation that we're willing to take time to make with our own God and make with our own young people. If that spiritual preparation is lacking, we may have successful young people in whatever course they pursue, temporally successful. But if we want them prepared to be successful in this life and in eternal life, Mm -hmm. then we need to help them prepare to meet their God. Are we willing to make that kind of commitment to our young people? They're our best resource, parents. And there's nothing we can invest in better than our young people. Let's prepare today for tomorrow. Shall we kneel as we pray? Father in heaven, we thank you for the opportunity that you give us to educate our young people. Lord, we pray that we will be faithful first to you, that we will seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, knowing that all these other things will be added unto us. May we help to facilitate that in our young people, that they will seek you with their whole heart. Lord, we pray that as we go through this time together, through these next few days, that you will bless us, guide us, and prepare us to meet our Savior face to face. In his name we pray. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse